are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Migrating birds can lose their way and appear outside their normal ranges. This can be due to flying past their destinations, as in the spring overshoot, in which birds returning to their breeding areas overshoot and end up further north than intended. Reverse migration, where the genetic programming of young birds fails to work properly, can lead to a great varieties turning up as vagrants thousands of kilometers out of range certain areas, because of their location, have become famous watch points for migrating birds. Examples are the Point Pelee National Park in Canada and Spurn in England. Drift migration of birds blown off course by the wind can result in falls of large numbers of migrants at coastal sites. A related phenomenon called ab-migration involves birds from one region joining similar birds from a different breeding region in the common winter grounds and then migrating back along with the new population. This is especially common in some waterfall which shift from one flyway to another. It has been possible to teach migration route to a flock of birds, for example, in reintroduction schemes. After a trial with Canadian geese, microlife aircraft were used in the U.S. to teach safe migration routes to reintroduced whooping cranes. Birds need to alter their metabolism 
in order to meet the demands of migration. The storage of energy through the accumulation of fat and the control of sleep in nocturnal migrant routes requires special physiological adaptations. In addition, the feathers of a bird suffer from wear and tear and require to be molted. The timing of this molt, usually once a year, but sometimes two, varies with some species molting prior to moving to their winter grounds and others molting prior to returning to their breeding grounds. Apart from physiological adaptations, migration sometimes requires behavioral changes such as flying in flocks to reduce the energy used in migration or the risk of predation. Migration in birds is highly libel and is believed to have developed independently in many avian lineages. While it is agreed that the behavioral and psychological adaptations necessary for migration are under genetic control, Some authors have argued that no genetic change is necessary for migration behavior to develop in a sedentary species, because the genetic framework for migratory behavior exists in nearly all avian lineages. This explains the rapid appearance of migratory behavior after the most recent glacial maximum. Whether a particular species migrates depends on a number of factors. The climate of the breeding area is important, and a few species can cope with the harsh winters of inland Canada or northern Eurasia. Thus, the particularly migratory blackbird is migratory in Scandinavia, but not in the milder climate of southern Europe. The nature of staple food is also significant. Most specialist insect eaters outside of the tropics are long-distance migrants and have little choice but to head south in the winter. Some of the factors are finely balanced. The wind chat of Europe and the Siberian stone chat of Asia are long-distance migrants wintering in the tropics, whereas their close relative this European stone chat is a resident bird in most of its range and moves only short distances from the colder north and east. A possible factor here is that the resident species can often raise an extra brood. Recent research suggests that long-distance passerine migrants are of South American and African rather than Northern Hemisphere evolutionary origins. They are effectively Southern species coming North to breed, rather than Northern species going South to winter. Theoretically, analysis summarized by scientists shows that detours that increase flight distance by up to 20% will often be adaptive on aerodynamic grounds. A bird that loads itself with food to cross a long barrier flies less efficiently. However, some species show circuitous migratory routes 
that reflected historical range expansions and are far from optimal in ecological terms. An example is the migration of continental populations of Swainson's thrush, which fly far east across North America before returning south via Florida to reach northern South America. This route is believed to be the consequence of rain expa- range expansion that occurred about 10,000 years ago. Detours may also be caused by differential wind conditions, predation risk, or other factors. Large-scale climate change, as has been experienced in the past, are expected to have an effect on the timing of migration. Studies have shown a variety of effects, including timing changes in migration, breeding as well as population variations. The migration of birds also aids the movements of other species, including those of ectoparasites, such as ticks and lice, which in turn may carry microorganisms, including those of concern to human health. Considerable interest has been taken due to the global spread of the avian influenza. However, migrant birds have not been found to be a special risk, with important of pet and domestic birds being a greater threat. Some viruses that are maintained in birds without lethal effects, such as the West Nile virus, may, however, be spread by migrating birds. Birds may also have a role in the dispersal of propagules of plants and plankton. Some predators take advantage of the concentration of birds during migration. Greater nocturnal bats feed on nocturnal migrating passerines. Some birds of prey specialize on migrating waders. Early studies of the timing of migrations began in the year 1749 in Finland with Johannes Lech of Turku collecting the dates of arrivals of spring migrants. Bird migration routes have been studied by a variety of techniques, including the oldest, markings. Swans have been marked with a nick on the beak since about 1560 in England. Scientific ringing, otherwise known as banding, was pioneered in 1899 by Mortensen. Other techniques include radar, and satellite tracking in today's modern world. Stable isotopes of hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, and sulfur can establish avian migratory connectivity between wintering sites and breeding grounds. Stable isotope methods to establish migratory linkage 
rely on spatial isotopic differences in bird diet that are incorporated into inert tissues like feathers or into growing tissues such as claws and muscle or blood. An approach to identify migration intensity makes use of upward-pointing microphones to record the nocturnal contact calls of flocks flying overhead. These are then analyzed in a laboratory to measure time, frequency, and species. An older technique to qualify migration, observing the face of the moon towards the full moon and counting the silhouette of flocks as birds as they fly at night. That is truly old school. Orientation behavior studies have been traditionally carried out using variants of a setup known as the Emlyn Funnel, which consists of a circular cage with the top covered by glass or wire screen so that either the sky is visible or the setup is placed in a planetarium or with other controls on the environmental cues. The orientation behavior of the bird inside the cage is studied quantitatively using the distribution of marks that the birds leave on the walls of the cage. Other approaches used in pigeon homing studies makes use of the direction in which the bird vanishes on the horizon. Human activities have threatened many migratory bird species. The distances involved in bird migration mean that they can often cross political boundaries of countries and conservation measures require international cooperation. Several international treaties have been signed to protect migratory species, including the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918 of the U.S. and the African-Eurasian Migratory Waterbird Agreement. The concentration of birds during migration can put species at risk. Some spectacular migrants have already gone extinct, the most notable being the passenger pigeon. During migration, the enormous blocks of passenger pigeons were a mile wide, darkening the sky, and 300 miles long, taking several days to pass overhead. Other significant areas include stopover sites between the wintering and breeding territories, a capture-recapture study of passerine migrants with high fidelity for breeding and wintering sites did not show similar strict association with stopover sites. Also, hunting along the migratory route can take a heavy toll. The populations of Siberian cranes that wintered in India declined due to hunting along the route, particularly in Afghanistan and Central Asia. Birds were last seen in their favorite wintering grounds in Keolodeo National Park in 2002. Structures such as power lines 
wind farms, and offshore oil rigs have also been known to affect migratory birds. Habitat destruction by land use changes is the biggest threat, and shallow wetlands that are stopover and wintering sites for migratory birds are particularly threatened by draining and reclamation for human use. Migrating birds have to travel between breeding and wintering grounds during the year. Thus, their life cycles are significantly different from resident birds. Migrants tend to travel away from polar and temporal zones in the winter due to cold temperatures and little food availability in their breeding areas. During spring migration, birds return to their breeding sites because of longer days and a superabundance of food, which in turn allows them to raise more young. Many populations of migratory birds are in serious decline, and these declines have been attributed to a combination of anthropogenic and natural threats, as well as the interplay between them. Anthropogenic threats include deforestation and habitat loss, hunting, pesticide uses, urbanization, climate change, and many others. Identifying and understanding the process and perils can allow us to implement effective management and conservation strategies for these species. Birds have to fly in all kinds of weather, even in bad weather during their migration. In-flight mortality, poor weather conditions can significantly decrease bird populations, especially during migration. Most of the weather-related in-flight mortalities are due to heavy storms, mist, or rain. Passerines and other small-sized birds are particularly affected by adverse in-flight weather conditions, but larger birds such as eagles and swans could also be killed. Mortality on breeding grounds. Small, insect-eating birds contribute to the majority of post-arrival deaths but many other birds, including waders and waterfowl, are also distressed by weather changes on breeding grounds. Since young birds are inexperienced, they are more vulnerable than adults to extreme weather conditions. Mortality on wintering grounds Unreasonably cold temperatures on the wintering grounds could kill thousands of birds, resulting in 30 to 90 percent population declines of migratory birds. For example, between 30 and 60,000 ducks, mostly Athuya fulugula, starved to death 
during a very cold winter in March 1986. Migratory birds are dramatically affected by climate change because they cannot assess changes in the spring weather from their wintering grounds. Higher spring temperatures can lead to earlier increases in insect abundance. But, as a consequence, a lot of bird species did not advance their arrival dates. For example, peed flycatchers had timed their eggs hatch cycles with subsequent increases in food in order to successfully raise their young. In the past, the spring migration strategy that depended on variations in day length had allowed flycatchers to arrive on time and their legging times used to correlate with insect abundances. However, due to climate change, the flycatchers are now forced to lay eggs earlier, which leaves these birds not enough time to sufficiently prepare the nests for reproduction. Therefore, climate change poses a serious threat to long-distance migrant birds because the species arriving at inappropriate times to exploit environmental opportunities and face higher competition with resident species. The flexibility or the phenotypic plasticity of migratory birds allows them to deal with continually changing environmental conditions. The higher the species flexibility, the better they will be able to adapt to potential environmental changes. Females with high phenotypic plasticity are those that change their egg-laying dates year after year, depending on environmental temperature. In a study on phenotypic plasticity, scientists estimated the plasticity of spring arrivals in 27 species of birds. They found that on average arrival occurred earlier during warm years, especially in short-distant migrant birds. Temperature-induced plasticity is highly adaptive and important because it allows the birds to match their activities, for example, migration, egg hatching times, with the timing of biotic events in the environment, for example, food abundance, competition with other species. Scientists suggested that some of those phenotypic changes were due to microevolution of birds, that is, change in genetic frequencies for early egg-laying times. However, even though there is correlation between earlier arrival times and warmer temperatures, this does not mean that all species are capable of adapting, as illustrated by the pied flycatcher. The pied flycatcher can start nesting earlier, but their arrival time does not change because these species as well as many other birds, cannot sense temperature changes on the breeding grounds 
from their wintering grounds. The birds cannot depart their wintering grounds unless they have enough energy and fat reserves to support their migratory journey. And since early arriving birds usually get the best resources, most species face intense competition for early departure. The birds that arrive earlier in the breeding grounds have higher probability of survival and greater reproductive success. In order to successfully migrate back to their breeding grounds, birds need to rest, refuel, and increase their body weight to store adequate fat supplies for migration. Birds that winter in high-quality habitats can increase their body weight and prepare for migration much faster than birds living in poor environmental conditions. Early arrival for males means they get better territories, and for females, it leads to earlier nesting times. Poor quality winter habitat also increases negative carryover effects, which in this case leads to late arrivals in males and lower reproductive successes for females. American Redstart is a perfect example of this as individuals with better phenotypic qualities arrives and mate first. Adverse conditions experienced during one period of birds' annual cycle, which consists of migration, wintering, and breeding, could influence other cycles of bird life in a phenomenon known as the carryover effect. This means that if specific birds, for example, the wood thrush, spent the winter in poor quality habitat, the harsh conditions experienced by the wood thrush in winter could carry over and lead to lower survival and reproductive success on the breeding grounds. In 2006, scientists developed a model that can incorporate carryover effects to predict population trends in migratory birds. The inclusion of carryover effects would increase the predictive power of population models and it would significantly improve our understanding of population dynamics in migrating birds. This study found that the strength of carryover coefficients can be found by estimating the slope between habitat quality and individual success of birds in that particular season. However, more studies are needed to see how different regulatory mechanisms, such as competition and predation, could interact with carryover coefficient. Nest predation is one of the natural causes of mortality experienced by migratory birds. In one study, scientists placed artificial quail eggs in small woodlots 
and large intact areas. After seven days, the nests were checked, and the nests that lost one or more eggs were considered to be preyed upon. Ground nesting birds were more susceptible to predation than above ground nests. This particularly affects neotropical migrants, such as the hooded warbler or the oven bird, because they tend to construct open, cup like nests near the ground, and these nests are more vulnerable to predation. Forest fragmentation is one of the greatest perils to migratory birds. Fragmented areas tend to have more parasites, increased nest predation, and lower habitat heterogeneity. Habitat loss also means that the region has lower carrying capacity and this leads to increased intraspecific competition between territorial species. In 1989, scientists studied the effects of habitat loss on migratory birds. They used radio tags to monitor the locations of wood thrushes in Veracruz, Mexico. Since the 1960s, this region has lost over 50% of its forest cover. Scientists noticed that primary rainforests were occupied almost exclusively by older wood thrush. First year birds are smaller and inexperienced, and thus they cannot compete with older birds and are forced to live along the forest edge. Younger birds often become wanderers and they are more likely to be eaten by hawks and other predators. These negative conditions in wintering grounds experienced by young and late arriving birds could potentially carry over to breeding habitats, altering population dynamics and lowering the fitness levels of affected bird species. Deforestation leads to fragmented forest habitats and nest predators tend to be more abundant in these fragmented landscapes. If fragmented area is long and narrow, it will have a greater predation rate because it could be easily reached by nest predators from other areas. Compared to rural woodlots, nest predation rates were higher in suburban areas due to higher densities of nest predators such as the blue jay, common grackle, raccoons, dogs, cats, and rats. In conclusion, deforestation can affect the natural population cycles of birds by changing their predatory-prey relationships and making the birds more susceptible to predators. Birds use stopover sites to feed, rest, 
and refuel during their migration period. Many of the current stopover sites are threatened due to increased urbanization, agriculture, gas exploitation, fisheries, tourism, and many other anthropogenic activities. In one study, the researchers found that birds with high phenotypic plasticity can adapt their behavior and skip low-quality stopover sites. Migratory birds, such as swans, geese, and waders, show high site fidelity, which means they are loyal to their stopover site and cannot change them. While long-distance passerines have much lower site fidelity, Passerines have low site fidelity because they can be flexible in their habitat selection. Since they do not migrate in flocks, migratory passerines do not have a fixed migration route or stopover site sequence, and they can change their stopover sites based on wind selectivity or habitat quality. Even though many birds can develop methods to skip or change their stopover sites, a lot of birds, such as swans and waders, depend on wetland stopover sites as their refueling region. The destruction of these sites could be detrimental to bird populations. The failure to include stopover habitat in conservation strategies may limit our understanding of bird migration perils and more analysis using radar data and geolocators are needed to identify critical stopover sites. The increased predation at stopover sites could lead to drastic declines in migratory bird populations. A study done by scientists examined the effects of predators on migratory birds at stopover sites. Their research found that predation risk is higher for heavier birds. This is due to decreased takeoff ability. And leaner birds, this is due to increased exposure due to higher feeding needs. Many birds also developed anti-predator behaviors to lower the probability of mortality. Since anti-predator behaviors are energetically costly, the migrants with lower energy reserves allocated less time to anti-predator behaviors. Hunting and Bird Migration The passing of the Migratory Bird Treaty in the United States in 1916 and the Migratory Birds Convention Act of Canada in 1970 made it illegal to kill or capture migratory birds. Even though Migratory Bird Acts were passed at the beginning of the 19th century, a lot of countries still have no laws or programs 
to protect migratory birds. The international bird trade is a multi-billion dollar industry and hundreds of exotic birds are captured and then sold all over the world. For example, in Malta, an archipelago of small islands along the Mediterranean is a very important migration flyway for birds. Throughout the years, hunters killed hundreds of millions of birds each year as they migrate over the island of Malta. To protect resident and migratory birds, BirdLife International had been organizing special raptor camps since the late 1990s. Even though hunting is part of Maltese people's culture, the interference from bird watchers all over the world has led to decreased killings of birds. This is particularly encouraging because it shows that if scientists can identify the problem and implement correct conservation strategies, thousands of migratory and local birds can be saved. Then, there's the topic of mortality of migratory seabirds. While hunting kills millions of terrestrial birds, the bycatch from commercial fisheries is responsible for the majority of human-caused mortality of migratory birds. Scientists have estimated between 3,000 and 45,000 birds are killed each year as fisheries bycatch. Dredging, gill netting, bottom trawling, and long lines are some of the main methods fisheries use to catch fish. Gill fisheries are responsible for the majority of seabird bycatch, followed by long line and bottom trawling. In order to catch tuna and other fish, long line fishing boats tend to drag many kilometers of hook lines behind them. Seabirds, being seabirds, try to catch the fish and accidentally get trapped in the hooks. A lot of key foraging areas for vulnerable seabirds, such as the albatross and shearwaters, tend to overlap with the world's richest fishing grounds, thus increasing the proportions of accidental bycatch by birds. In addition to directly killing the birds, fisheries could also indirectly affect the trophic structure and foraging meshes of the seabirds. Since most seabirds are long-lived and have low reproduction rates, even a small increase in bird mortality could lead to significant population declines. Then there's the problem of oil platforms Over 40 million seabirds are negatively impacted by oil platforms. Seabirds tend to aggregate around oil rigs 
in higher-than-normal densities due to the artificial lighting, flares, food, and other visual attractants. Seabirds often collide directly with oil platforms or circle around the oil rigs and flares for days, eventually dying of starvation. Birds such as storm petrels, dove keys, and shearwaters migrate across the Grand Banks and hydrocarbon development near the oil platform significantly decreases the population of these birds. Since there are very little regulations regarding pesticides uses in the tropics, the farmers in South America use high quantity of highly toxic pesticides to protect their crops. So pesticides can affect the mortality of migrating birds. For example, DDT is currently banned in North America because it killed millions of birds in the 1960s, but it is still heavily used in the tropics. Pesticides can kill birds both directly and indirectly. And in the case of DDT, it can kill birds directly by poisoning their nervous system and indirectly by making their eggshells thinner and thus reducing reproductive success of these birds. There was a study on dixissels and crop damage in Voinazela, Basila, and Temple. And in, they found that the population of the dixillas declined by 40% between the years of 1960 and 1980. The declines were primarily due to the direct killings by humans. Dixellas migrate to Venezuela in the winter, and they tend to gather in large colonies, which have millions of birds, and f- to feed and sleep. Farmers in Venezuela thought the Dixellas were pests that fed on rice and cereal crops. So what they did was they aerially sprayed the region with pesticides to kill the birds. After further research, scientists concluded that the Dixillas only consume less than one-half of one percent of the grains produced. If the farmers were better informed of how small an impact the Dixillas had on their crops, the population declines of these birds could have been prevented. Light pollution also affects migratory birds. Night skies are obscured by artificial lights in many cities around the world. These lights are illuminated from buildings, roads, and other human structures. When flying across the city, migratory birds could become attracted to artificial lights in the sky. These birds tend to follow light beams and fly continuously in circles, 
dying from exhaustion or predators as the result. Increased illumination due to artificial lighting could also disrupt foraging behaviors of dineural birds, making these species forge at night instead of day. The negative effect from artificial lights are particularly evident when the weather conditions are bad and or stars are covered by clouds because nocturnal birds, birds that migrate at night, use light beams for navigation. To decrease the impact of artificial lighting, many cities have implemented lights without lights out programs in which people turn off or dim their lights in tall buildings during migration season. Since a lot of migratory routes pass through cities, it is important to make people aware of the dangers that man-made structures causes to migratory birds. Artificial light sources can attract millions of birds to lighthouses broadcast towers, and other buildings, resulting in direct mortality of birds at night. There are less artificial lights during the day, but millions of birds still die due to direct collisions with various human-made structures. Birds are often fatally struck the glass because they cannot differentiate between real sky and the reflection of sky in a window. Any object that increases bird density near windows can potentially lead to higher bird death rates. Reflective windows are particularly dangerous as birds are often attracted to them, placing bird attractants such as birdhouses, water, and nutritious vegetation near windows also increases the number of bird kills. Scientists studied window collisions and bird mortality. They banded indigo bunting that survived a window collision, only for it to be killed striking the same window the following year. Scientists also estimated that annual mortality of birds due to window collisions in the United States was estimated between 95 to 97 million bird deaths per year. To reduce the number of bird strikes, it is suggested to remove all bird attractants near windows and or partially cover the windows. For new buildings, scientists recommend installing windows in a way that the pane reflects the the ground instead of the sky and the clouds. Wind farms are a wonderful thing for renewable energy, but wind turbines could kill thousands of birds through collision, disruption of migratory routes, and destruction of habitat. Birds such as raptors, which are eagles or vultures, water birds and passerines are particularly affected. The reason these birds are affected is because many of them have blind spots, and they can often not see objects such as wind farms, directly in front of them. In Altamont Pass Wind Farm, 
4,000 wind turbines kill 75 golden eagles and over 1,200 other predatory birds each year. These predatory birds are rare and long-lived. They also have low reproductive rates, and if their populations decline rapidly, they might never get a chance to recover. Since birds are unaccustomed to wind turbines, the more wind turbines there are, the greater the mortality of birds will be. However, if wind turbines are constructed in regions that do not overlap with migratory pathways of birds, the bird casualties could be significantly reduced. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.